Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. As we did last week, and we are going to go going forward, we have Mike Renner on from Pro Football Focus. We're going to chat around the league a little bit. He's been working on some things I'm excited to delve into. Mike, how is it going? Going great. Uh, been a fun week. Uh, everyone's talking about how the quality of football is down. I've enjoyed it just the same. So I think, uh, I think it's been a good few weeks this season to start off here. Yeah, and I didn't plan on going down this road, and I don't think the quality of football's down, but I do think the discrepancy between the level of play between the big men on defense and the big men on offense couldn't be greater. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think offensive lines around the league have just been getting destroyed, <laughs> and they've right. been really hampering the offenses. So I think it's what we're seeing, and that's it's not pretty to look at when the pockets collapsing around a quarterback and he has to you know throw it away or run for his life that's not fun football so to speak but uh it's still fun to grade on my end i bet and if somebody's looking poor that means somebody's looking good too and some of the defensive linemen around the league everybody has two or three nowadays you just go wow look at that guy exactly i think there's just been such an influx of talent at defense you know at the pass rushing positions uh, even at the cornerback position as well in recent drafts that offensive linemen are at an all-time, they're behind the eight ball as much as I've ever seen. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Mike, I know we discussed this and I just don't remember, I'm sorry. I know Pro Football Focus has a connection to Cincinnati. Do you as well? I thought you did something with the Bengals as well. I live here in Cincinnati where okay. our offices are in downtown Cincinnati and I do some local uh, TV for the NBC affiliate here uh, about the Bengals. Okay, well, th- I wanted to talk real quick then about the offensive coordinator situation. I mean, it's the first head to get on the chopping block around the league. After two weeks, we have a coordinator switch in Cincinnati, for those that don't know. Do you see many changes coming? Do you see a potential for McCarron? I mean, the one thing that I keep saying is, I very much hope that Bill Lazor makes this Joe Mixon's backfield. No, I agree. I think Mixon should be the guy just from a you know, all-around standpoint. He gives you more in the passing game than Jeremy Hill, gives you more in the running game than Gio Bernard, and what you that gives you the ability to put him, line him up anywhere on the field, use him as a pass threat, use him as a run threat, whereas if you have one of the other two guys in, you know, you know Jeremy Hill's not going to be featured as a receiver and Gio's not going to be featured as a runner. So he gives you that dual threat nature. I definitely think he needs to be the guy back there, you know, 75% of the snaps. And then they just need some way to help that offensive line. It's really, it's really hampered Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, you can tell, is playing very gun shy. They just need uh, Mac protections, more chips. I don't know what it is. Some way to get Andy Dalton feeling comfortable. He's just looked terribly uncomfortable through two weeks. Yeah, and the mistake was made in the offseason. I mean, you can't make up for not acquiring line talent. You know, the Giants are going through the same thing. Houston's going through the same thing. There's eight to ten teams in the league that are begging for linemen right now. Oh, no. I mean, that that definitely is what's killed their offense. They tried sure. to take the exact same offense from a season ago and 
but without Andrew Whitworth at left tackle, without Kevin Zeitler at right guard, and they tried to run it the exact same way, you have to make adjustments when you lose talent. You have to adjust for the talent you have on the field. And that was, you know, their, that's been their undoing is just not not adjusting, not giving those guys help, not giving Andy Dalton more time. And so they really had to make a move because they were just going to be <laughs> – that offense was not going to function in its current form. Yeah, I 100% agree. And um, just so everyone knows out there, I've been telling you guys this since last week, but we are giving away a free subscription to Pro Football's Focus. It's worth about 40 bucks. I mean, and it's worth every penny if you were to flat out buy it. But we're giving one away – you just go to the Locked On NFL page on iTunes, leave a review, preferably a good one, and leave your Twitter account, and you will get all the information that Mike and his friends over there are putting out every week. It's fantastic. Um, tons of fantasy stuff. Now there's tons of draft stuff as well. Um, you know, it, it, It's well worth your time. I go to the site every, every day, and it's something that absolutely needs to be checked out. So, Mike, I hear you are working a little bit on the Denver defeat of the Dallas Cowboys, the beatdown of the Cowboys. What do you see? Yeah, every week I'm going to be doing on Wednesdays at PFF a an article basically examining the most surprising result from the week before. And I think the Cowboys just getting thrashed on the road going to Denver when they were, you know, a road favorite, losing by, you know, 28 points is what they lost by in the end. That to me was an interesting result. So uh, I looked at just basically what the Broncos did defensively to force the Cowboys into a ridiculous run pass. But now some of that had to do with the Cowboys falling behind early, but it was 60 passes to 11 runs, which is insane run pass split that they just abandoned the run completely. And it's because the Broncos loaded the box play after play after play begged Dak Prescott to beat them with the passing game it was just saying, we're going to stop your run. We're going to do everything we can to stop your run. We're going to get penetration in the backfield. We're going to you know, make Zeke Elliott have to have all these you know, convoluted reads because we have so many guys for you to account for. And we're going to trust that Aqib Tlaib is going to shut down you know, Des Bryant. We're going to trust that Chris uh, Harris is going to shut down Cole Beasley. And it worked. It was a great game plan. And the Cowboys offense looked completely uh, unprepared for it. Right. I mean, just pulling up the box score – Obviously, there's much more you can find out on tape than in the box score. But Dak Prescott, 50 attempts. Zeke Elliott, 9 rushes. Now, that's a terrible formula for this team. I mean, that's exactly the opposite of what you want. And I like Prescott as a prospect, as a player. But he's not ready to beat the, the, the a great pass defense and pass rush with 50 throws a game. And like you said, I mean, the, the game script had something to do with it, of course. But it, I'm sure that the Cowboys are going back to the chalkboard going, that, that's, that, we can't have that ever again. No, it, and it's sort of, the Broncos are uniquely qualified. It's not like that game plan, it's not like, you know, the Green Bay Packers can throw out that game plan and right. all of a sudden beat the Cowboys because you have to have cornerbacks that can hang with Des Bryant in man coverage. It, there's not a lot in the NFL. The Broncos have two of them. So I, I think it's a game plan that the Broncos were uniquely qualified to execute. But at the same time, the Cowboys really didn't have an answer. They really did nothing to sort of help out Dak Prescott. It was all the same. Let's run the same drop back passes we've always run. It, there was no sort of uh, they didn't they didn't do a good job of even trying to mix in the run, even with loaded boxes, because loaded boxes aren't really anything new for the Cowboys but they completely abandoned uh, any semblance of a running game when they saw them. Yeah, I have two more points on that. And, and I've been harping all off season that 
Dallas is too comfortable with their wide receivers that they really need to find a guy opposite Dez. And watching him on tape, I think he looks better this year than last year. I thought he played injured a lot last year, but he ran into the Janoris Jenkins and these three stud corners for, for Denver. So I think the flaw here is Terrence Williams is your two or Beasley is what he is. You need another guy. So I think your point is valid that Denver is uniquely qualified to do this to Dallas. But I also think, you know, defenses out there that only have one star corner could do it as well. I definitely agree. Terrence Williams to me is just a guy as a number two receiver. He wouldn't be starting for a lot of teams in the NFL. If they could have added someone over the offseason, they were obviously cash draft, but someone like Terrell Pryor, someone like Pierre Garçon, they didn't get incredibly high deals, but if they could have added someone like that, that could have taken this offense into the stratosphere. I, I do agree. A second wide receiver, Cole Beasley's fine in the slot, but he is what he is. He's not gonna even going to play you know, 75% of the snaps because they don't use the slot receiver that much. In that offense, they could have added one more guy. Really could have helped this offense, but Terrence Williams isn't, like you said, not a guy who's going to scare me, if, even if I don't have a number two corner that's anything special. Okay, and my last point about the Denver defense I think the book on them going into the season, we saw it a lot last year, was keep them in base personnel, you know, so that Roby's on the sidelines and they have a nose tackle and a second inside linebacker on the field. That's their lesser versions of their pers- their best personnel and run it at them and, or attack their linebackers with the passing game. We saw Atlanta do that really well last year. Is, does this game change the book on them, or do you just think it was them flooding the line of scrimmage? No, I, I think you definitely, like you, the last point you mentioned there is the biggest one in how to beat them. Attack those linebackers in coverage, because they're still going to play a lot of man coverage, even though Vance Joseph has you know, cut his teeth with playing a lot of zone in the past. He's still going to play man coverage with as good as those corners are in man. But Todd Davis, Brandon Marshall against a dynamic running back out of the backfield, someone like Tevin Coleman for the Falcons last year, right. is a big mismatch still. You get them one-on-one, you split, you know, you go five wide, you really spread them out. Yeah, they have a good pass rush, that's going to get after you, but if you can get away quick enough against those linebackers, that's still the biggest, uh, that's still where I'd attack the Broncos. And the the Cowboys just didn't get creative like that on Sunday. Yeah, and I don't think it's the most creative offense by any stretch of the imagination. However, Elliott came to this league as... Boy, we never see somebody that's as good a runner and receiver coming into the league as this guy. You know, that was one of his claims to fame. And we really haven't seen it yet through, what, 18 games of his career or whatever. Yeah, they haven't utilized him in a yeah. in sort of a modern spread offense running back type of role. They've utilized him as traditionally running backs have been in the past. They keep him in the backfield. They keep him, they use him on screens. They use him on swings. But there, there is more he could do. I don't blame them, though, because that offense, I really couldn't complain about what the results were a season ago. So uh, at the end of the day, they're going to run. They're going to sort of uh, build that entire offense around that running game. So uh, if you shut down the running game, then that's when I would like to see them get a little more creative. Understandable. I think it's a good point. Uh, Mike, two weeks ago before the season started, I looked at the AFC as – the Patriots sitting by themselves, the Steelers in the next tier by themselves, and then the AFC West, and I actually picked the AFC West to go Chargers, Chiefs, Raiders, Denver. And I felt pretty confident of Denver at the bottom of that pile. I didn't feel confident about the Chargers at the top, but they could be 2-0, and of course they're cursed and can't figure out a way to win. 
What's your take on that division? I think all these teams, well, at least three of them, the undefeated ones, are better than I thought. I agree. I think the undefeated ones, especially the Broncos and the Chiefs, really have opened my eyes mm-hmm. over the first two weeks. The Broncos especially, just basically Trevor Simeon is not the Trevor Simeon we saw last year, which is the biggest thing for them. If they can get any semblance of efficient quarterback play, a quarterback that can protect the ball, we saw them win the Super Bowl with that. So that if they can get that, they're you know going to be playoff contenders again. And they're not even only getting that; they're getting better than that. Trevor Simeon is actually winning, you know, on intermediate routes. He's actually making some nice throws and protecting the ball. So what he's done over the first two weeks is eye-opening. If he can sustain that play over 16 games, they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender once again, which I just didn't see. Uh, going in because I didn't think he would take that sort of step. So they've probably been the biggest surprise to me. And then the Chiefs... And, and real quick on Denver, th- their running game's pretty impressive, too. It's much better than a year ago. No, I think Ronald Leary and Garrett Bowles, now that Garrett Bowles got hurt, is uh, they'll probably take a little bit of a step back. But those two have been massive upgrades. Garrett Bowles, he's not playing amazingly. He's nothing you know out of this world. But for a rookie, they're getting about average play out of him. It is a monstrous step up from what they saw at the tackle positions a season ago. And then Ronald Leary is Ronald Leary. He's one of the best run blockers when he was with Dallas. They really miss him, I think, and is still one of the best run blockers. Had a great game against his old team. So I agree that offense looks much more complete this year. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on Casey and the Raiders, too? Yeah, the Raiders, I, I assumed, would be good. I think their defense is still going to be an issue, but that offense, like, there's really no holes in it. Them, you know, the Raiders, the Steelers, there's a handful of teams in the NFL that just don't really have holes offensively. Raiders, they'll be right in the mix come end of the season. And the Chiefs, their defense has really surprised me. I thought the way they've just stuck with their principles and have played man coverage again and again, leading the league. I think they're calling man coverage on like 70-plus percent of their snaps. They're just fearless with those cornerbacks right now. I think Terrence Mitchell has been a huge upgrade for them. They really didn't have a guy across Marcus Peters a season ago. Mitchell has been – he has had a few penalties, yes – but he hasn't given up the big plays down the field, which in man coverage, that's what you always worry about. So him, to me, has been an upgrade and the key to their success defensively. And that offense has been really creative. They have weapons offensively. I didn't think it would be a a dangerous, dynamic offense. But what Kareem Hunt has done, what Tyreek Hill has been able to do, they've been utilizing them extremely well. So I, I think they'll be right in at the end of the season as well. Yeah, I think Kelsey's a superstar. I think they're well and coached. Obviously Kelsey, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean... Are you sold on Alex Smith, though? I mean, he's playing a different style than he usually does. I mean, I give him credit. I've been a big basher of him, but after two games, he's being aggressive with the football. I'm sure he feels Mahomes nipping at his, at his heels. Do you think it keeps up? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't think it's – I think it's still kind of the Alex Smith that we've always seen. All You know, he had a, he had a handful of deep shots against the Patriots, but – they were wide open deep shots. Those are the same deep shots he's always been taking. He just needs to see a guy wide open running down the field to be comfortable taking that. And with the speed they have on that offense, you know, Chris Conley, Tyreek Hill, those are guys who can get wide open down the field. And so I, I think it's just been sort of Andy, it's Andy Reid sort of scheming him to get more of those throws down the field. So I, I think it's been a symbiotic relationship there between quarterback and head coach. Right. Like the, the, the play everybody saw – last Thursday to open the season with Tyreek just running, you know, on a busted coverage, you better throw that. You know, like, I'm not ready to do cartwheels that, boy, he's an aggressive downfield thrower. He's all alone. Throw him the ball. You know what I mean? Like, that that, to me isn't great quarterback play. Mm -hmm. No, I'm 100% with you. I think 
this is a pretty much the same guy. He's been more willing to, but I think it's been a product of, like I said, that offense giving him the open shots. Mike, I know you're doing some work on the undefeated teams, and we mentioned the ones in the AFC West. Uh, there are 10 total, but Miami and Tampa are only 1-0. and You know, they didn't play in the first week, obviously. What are your thoughts on some of these other undefeated teams? Who, who should we not get behind? Or, you know, I, I know you're doing some work on some guys that are teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that are 2-0. and Yeah, so there's three teams right now that didn't make the playoff season ago or 2-0 and at the moment. The Ravens, the Panthers, and the Broncos. Obviously, I talked about the Broncos. If yeah. Trevor Simeon keeps it up, they're for real. The Panthers and the Ravens, though, I'm not ready to buy in just yet. Two big reasons. I mean, one big reason for each. It's the quarterback position. Cam Newton for the Panthers is still not looking like the – not even close to the Cam up, Newton yeah. we saw in 2015. His inaccuracy down the field, I don't know where it went, but he is missing easy, easy throws week after week. And the defense can only do so much. They've given up only six points over two weeks. They played – you know, maybe arguably two of the worst five teams in the NFL in the Bills and the 49ers. So that helps their defense look good. But if you can only score 32 points against those two teams, that's concerning, especially in a division like the NFC South, where you're going to need to be scoring 25, 30 plus points in those division games to win because of all the offenses you're seeing there. So that's worrisome to me. And then the Ravens offense kind of getting by on smoke and mirrors right now. Joe Flacco is a shadow of the Joe Flacco we saw in the Super Bowl years, his average depth of target right now is only five yards down the field. They've basically wow. neutered that offense. The deep balls are gone. He's just throwing underneath. He's throwing all play action stuff. It helps that their defense has been shutting other teams down. They've been playing with leads. That's sort of why they're limiting him, not trying to get him to throw away the games. But I just worry about that offensive line without Marshall Yonda when they have to come from behind, when it is a close game and they have to pass. I think he could be under a lot of pressure. I think things could go south quickly there. I love the defense. I love that defensive line. They're going to stop the run against anybody, but offense still has a ton of question marks. Uh, the AFC is, I think there is there are spots, wild card spots that can be won uh, with a nine, seven, 10, six record, but I don't, I'm not sure if the Ravens can get there with that offense at the moment. Yeah. It's funny. We were talking one of the Steelers shows I was doing. I mentioned we've, we've seen two games and there's 16 teams in the AFC and I think half of them are out of it already. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so no, bad. That's, <laughs> that's not a bad take whatsoever. I think almost all the 0-2 teams in the AFC are just, they torch themselves at this point. It seems right. like maybe the Chargers, but that's all the, the 0-2 one. teams are basically done, yeah. And you mentioned, you know, who Carolina played. Baltimore played the two Ohio teams. They look dismal. Um, I have more faith in the Panthers than I do the Ravens. And Newtons look terrible. But, I mean, I picked them to win that division. Do you agree with that? And I also think those are two of the absolute best defenses in the league, too. Yes, I agree that the Panthers and the Ravens are fantastic defenses. I do have a little more comp. I would, if I had to pick one to make the playoffs, I would say the Panthers at this point. Because Cam Newton's done it more recently than Joe Flacco has, basically. Right. Cam Newton... The, the shoulder injury is concerning, and the accuracy issues still being there, concerning. Greg Olson being out, that's concerning. But they have the, – I like the weapons more they have offensively around Cam Newton to sort of fake an offense with Christian McCaffrey, with Jonathan Stewart, with Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, than the Ravens' ability to fake an offense with uh, not a lot there. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I'd still give them the edge to Newton over Flacco – 
And I certainly give the edge to his supporting cast, including the line over the Ravens. And, um, you know, being here in Pittsburgh, the Ravens are hated. So I've been asked this a bunch the last couple of days is, are the Ravens for real? And basically I'm with you that their formula is obvious. They, they're going to play great defense. They're always superb on special teams. It's the best kicker we've ever seen. They're well coached. But what I've been telling Steeler fans is the thing you should be worried about or really keep an eye on is Baltimore's actually run the ball really well. And I didn't see that coming. I don't know that it'll continue. I mean, yet another huge offensive line hit. I tend to think it won't. But to me, that's been the one thing that I didn't see coming with this 2-0 Ravens team. Yeah, I. so I've done actually the grading for both of their games. And just the offensive line, while they've had success running the ball, I haven't been impressed necessarily with the run blocking. I think Terrence West is a one of the better backs in the NFL right now. I think he's sort of underrated. Uh, he's been able to overcome some bad blocking at times. And I really think with Marshall Yanda out, they'll start to sort of come back down to earth that running game. I don't see it having near the success that they've been able to have through two weeks. I think it might have had more to do with uh, run defenses they face than uh, anything else. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense too, not the greatest competition. And my last question along those lines, because I haven't studied the Ravens running game obviously as much as you have yet, but it sounds like to me, and this would make sense, that they realize their offensive linemen aren't studs and certainly aren't good athletes. So they're asking them to be less athletic in the running game and basically a lot more of a straight ahead, just block the guy in front of you approach as opposed to getting out in space and dancing bears. Yeah, they've run a lot of uh, inside zone power, uh, a lot of straight ahead stuff. I, I think you know, offense coordinator Greg Roman, does he does a really good job of scheming running games to his town. He's always done that no matter where it is, whether it was San Francisco when they were in the Super Bowl years there, when it was uh, Buffalo the last few years. I think he's a, he knows how to call a good run game with the offensive line he has, but there's only so much you can you know put lipstick on a pig, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, without Marshall Yonda there. So I, I do see it sort of returning back down to – average or below average run offense right and i think people start stacking the box even more and make flacco beat you yeah because he he's passed up and the guy that's the crazy thing to me is he's passed up throws watching the all 22 guys who are, have steps down the field he's just been unwilling to go for that uh sort of deep ball and just going for the check down going for the underneath crosser he's really not it looks gun shy to me yeah and he, i thought he did last year too yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's injury, the fact that he doesn't trust the offensive line, what it is, but he is definitely less willing to take hits, less willing to put that ball in harm's way. Yeah. Mike, we will do this again next week. I thought this was a blast. Um, anything else going on? Where, where should people check you out on Twitter? All those good things. Yeah, check me out on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike and uh, the PFF podcast. I do the preview podcast where we do our picks every week. That comes out uh, Thursday nights, so check that out. We actually do it live from a bar here in Cincinnati. So if you're in the Cincinnati area, go to uh, Queen City Radio and uh, come check us out. Come say hi. Very cool. I listened to it last week, and I will again this week. So good stuff. Thanks, and we will talk next week. Sounds like a plan. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When Flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates the rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose the best. Sometimes it's ours, sometimes it's not. When the fox walks, is it called a fox trot? That's a real question. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.